1: Hey, what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast coming to you live from the blue wire studios here in las vegas so uh my name is steven i am your host as always coming to you to talk about the first day of the 2022 nfl draft preview a little bit of day two and day three as well and joining me to do that are my guys tyler and arjun arjun we'll start with you today man how are you doing doing great
2: had a great time at the draft last night with the guys obviously uh that I kind of posted the reaction video of us um, <clears throat> picking Zion, which I think po- popped off a little bit on Twitter, which is really nice to see. But overall, great night last, last night, and I'm excited to see how the rest of the draft uh, plays out. Yeah, man, couldn't be happier with that. And we'll, of course, dive
1: into you know everything that <laughs> was going on when we were talking about Zion Johnson today. But uh, <laughs> Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing so well, man. I mean, I can't believe we're back here at the Blue Wire Studios. Thank you, Blue Wire, for this. Thanks for the guys in the booth, obviously happy to be here in vegas watching the draft and yeah that reaction from us i mean it was genuine we were so excited for the pick and we'll get into it i could not be more happier this morning
1: yeah you know the lots of uh shared emotions i uh i thought i might have a a lost voice from uh, how much we were yelling yesterday but uh thankfully we're we're all good so um like tyler said we're going to dive into everything and as it pertains to how zion johnson could fit in with this team our reaction and just overall general analysis there. So, um, before we get started there, I want to say this was our first draft in person. You know, this, <laughs> this was a really like unique experience, I think. And, um, you know, James Ebo, if you follow him on Twitter, he's been going to the draft for you know 20 years straight, but, uh, this is the first time in my life that it's been on the West coast. And so, you know, we made plans a few weeks ago to, to come out and, and have a great time. And I think we we're able to do that. So, uh Tyler, we'll start with you, man. What was it kind of like with your first time uh being at the draft in person? It was fantastic. I mean, Vegas has done a really good job with this whole event.
3: I think it was really mellow, but also very fun. Um outside of the magician that everybody booed on stage <laughs> before the actual draft, um, everything was great. The fans were great. There were no fights, no problems. There were shade at the right times. It wasn't too hot. It was perfect. I loved being here and I
2: can't wait to go to the next one. What'd you think, Arjun? Yeah, it was great. I think I think the best part about it was like you saw like a collection of like every fan base that was there for the most part like even the Rams fans were there Broncos fans were there yeah even teams that didn't have a first round pick you had fans that were there and not only for the Chargers you got to just see like how fans reacted to certain picks I mean one of my favorite moments was like when the Steelers selected Kenny Pickett like you kind of just heard a collective groan among all Steelers fans there which was you know pretty funny to see because everyone thought Malik Willis was going to be that pick Um, so that was kind of one of my favorite moments there and obviously you know the Chargers pick I think we got the most hype out of anyone in like around the people from the people around us which is which is a a cool cool sight to see
1: yeah you know we were all jumping up and down about zion and and (laughs) yeah
2: just really freaking out everybody's like looking
1: at us like uh, for a guard you guys are this happy about a guard yeah so it was a good time you know I, i it was really interesting to see like once teams started making their their selection like certain fans would leave yeah. And then randomly after like pick 20, we just got like surrounded by Broncos and Vikings fans. And I thought that was really interesting. Vikings fans really showed out to the draft this week. Um so props to them. Um all right, let's uh let's dive into this Zion Johnson pick and I think it's uh safe for me to assume that I can start with this one because I've been uh you know championing the Zion Johnson selection for a, a few months now and so um you know I think it, he just checked so many boxes for the Chargers, you know in terms of his profile, in terms of his character, uh, Brandon Steeley said last night that they were so impressed with him in their meetings and just the, the overall intelligence. And, uh, you know, Brandon Thorne shared a clip today um, of, of the film breakdown that he did with Zion and already just like the attention to detail that somebody like Zion is going to come into the league with really is something that stands out to me when you just hear him talk and when you hear him break down film with Brandon Thorne and things like that. So I think from an intelligence standpoint, from a character standpoint, he's just exactly what the Chargers are trying to build up front. And then you add in you know, the 9.75 RAS score, you add in the elite film in the ACC, the versatility that he can play guard, center down the road. I think he just really was a perfect fit for the team, for the culture. And then you just added that he's a really freaking good football player. And so, um, you know, I would always tell people, you know, he's a top five player in the class for me. And it's like, well, 17 is too early for a guard. You know, that's just not a premium position. Would rather go in other places. And I think at the end of the day, once you get past like round, once you get past pick 12, I think you're just trying to draft really good football players. Like it sounds simple, but you know, when you, when you get a player like Zion Johnson, he's just going to do so much for this team right away. And like I said, draft good football players, and I think you you will build a good culture and solve needs later on. So I'm I'm so happy with this pick, and I love Zion. Can't wait to see what he does. Apparently playing right guard, which we can talk about. Um, but I think he is just overall a perfect fit for what the Chargers have been looking for uh, really ever since Brandon said he was hired. Yeah, right guard definitely threw me off. I did not think that would be what would happen today or yesterday.
3: I thought he would be the left guard, Filer to right tackle, um, if that were the selection. Um, but him playing right guard works for me. You know, they said they wanted to be more balanced on their offensive line. And so now they are. You have Slater, you have Filer, you have Lindsley, you have Johnson. You might have Trey Pipkins. Uh, we'll find out in a bit. Um, but yeah, I was elated by this this pick. This is a fantastic pick because we liked him, obviously. And But like you said, you would think – that taking good players, taking good prospects, and turning them into good NFL players would be simple. You just take the good prospects and they'll be good NFL players, like a Rashawn Slater, but not, it's not that simple. Some guys can reach for a you know, Tyler Smith or
1: a, you know,
3: I like Cole Strange a lot, but that's potentially a reach. But to me, Zion Johnson was, at least for us, and for the Chargers, obviously, the best player on the board. And if you're gonna bug me about them not be able to trade back, oh you know they could have gone to 20 and gotten a fourth or something like listen if zion johnson's an all pro you know five of the next 10 years or whatever don't care if he was picked at 17 or 20 or 21 or 25 whatever sure would it have been the perfect selection to trade back and get him sure but based on what the patriots ended up doing and i guess sort of what the cowboys ended up doing with their reach they they had no choice like they, they had to stay put to zion johnson and they took a great player. And I'll let you speak on the football side of things, but just reading through everything that he has. And, you know, Telesco talked about his journey into the NFL. Yeah. This is a guy that, you know, we already talked about him being a, a golfer. He just, he was a golfer and he decided to try like, football also. You know, started 19 games at Davidson, transferred to Boston College because it was academically renowned. Uh, he was first team All Pro, pi- or first team All Pioneer Football League at Davidson, mm-hmm. uh, then second team All ACC, his first year at guard. He moved him to tackle his third-team All-ACC. He goes back to guard his first-team All-ACC his final season. He has got a bachelor's degree in computer science and master's in cybersecurity policy. He volunteers at Boston College. He's an A-B student. He's on the honor roll several times. He's voted team captain. 22 recent Senior Bowl Player of the Week. He goes to the combine and test that elite score, like you said. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we had him as the highest rated interior offensive lineman in the last two classes. So all those character things... all the things on the field as well it was the safest prospect with the highest floor in my opinion and i think genuinely also the highest ceiling
1: yeah before arjun jumps in here uh highest graded interior offensive lineman i have ever studied in three years oh wow okay so i didn't do that 2020 yeah we yeah 2020 uh, 20 the 2020 class was just me and jason but uh zion johnson to me is just a a fantastic player regardless of where he fits and i think you know, that's really what the draft is about. And so, you know, I'm glad you laid out everything that he's kind of accomplished and the person he is. Um, and we'll get into the football stuff. But, uh, yeah, highest graded
2: interior offensive lineman I've ever studied. Granted, it's only been three years. but <laughs> I think that
1: carries a lot of weight.
2: Yeah, no, I, so I think, like, the thing that needs to be said is, like, this might not be the most sexy pick. This might not be the pick that, like, everyone is going to talk about, especially given all the trades and everything else that happened. But, like, this was a pick at a position of need where the Chargers have struggled to find, like, quality guards for years now. Filer yeah. took care of the left side. Zion hopefully will take care of the right side. And I think it, I think it shows a good process that, like, when you t- listen to their press conference, they're talking about he was the best player on their board, right? And, I mean, I, I've been championing, like, I have been verbally against a guy like Trevor Penning or Bernhard Bernard Raymond, not because they're bad players, just because their developmental curve is going to be like a two to three year process with, but like a guy like Zion Johnson hopefully has the ability to step in and be a plug and play day one right guard who like is at least average in year one. Like that's all like, that's all we're asking for. Like we already have a really good left side. All we need on the right side are guys not to be liabilities, not to be what Kelamete was at times last year or like Storm Norton. Like obviously Zion's going to play guard and we still have to figure out tackle. But it's all about filling a position of need. And given how the draft played out, like, there was no receivers worth taking. Mm-hmm. McDuffie was there, but like, we, there's obviously concerns with... like If you start him and Asante, you have two guys under like 5'11". So you go with the safest player on the board. The Chargers have done a great job of filling their roster out throughout free agency the past two years to the point where you only have one or two holes and this was one of those holes, and so I'm glad they filled it. And like you guys talked about, the run on guards came immediately after with Strange. With you know, Tyler Smith is going to be a guard for the Cowboys. Um, Kenyon Green went before. I mean, like I think they they got the player that they needed to. And while it may not move the needle as much as like like maybe like a top receiver or like a star corner would, I think it did the job. And I, I think overall it was it was a good pick by the Chargers. Yeah, you know, when we're
1: sitting there at, I think, like, pick 12, it was like, okay, Jermaine Johnson could go here. Jermaine Johnson could go here. Jerm- <laughs> okay, what about Trey McDuffie? So, um, I last year, I was very calm with the draft, right, because I knew that the Chargers were going to take a left tackle, whether it was Rashawn Slater or Christian So That was what we had heard, and that was what, you know, was obviously very public knowledge. And this year, man, when the way that the board played out, I was just like, they could go any direction, and I would not blame them. You take a pass rusher like Jermaine Johnson, take a corner like Trent McDuffie, who we kind of talked about, could play a little bit safety for them. But they go with Zion, man. And I love the way that Brandon Staley was talking about it afterwards because he said verbatim he was the best player available on their board, and they didn't want to reach for a better need. So, um, you know, there were a couple things in the press conference that were Kind of an indictment on trevor penning and, and how they viewed him and to me that was one of them and you know he also said that they really valued zion's real toughness was his mm-hmm. his right his specific quote and so um you know I, I applaud them for that you know it's not a sexy pick it's not gonna you know we, we were watching espn get up on the way over here and nobody's talking about zion johnson because he's a guard <laughs> and he's gonna be You know, a really good player, and he's not going to be a a receiver who's going to catch a ton of passes and cause some drama and things like that. But just a really, really solid, good football player. And, you know, you mentioned the all-pro potential. I'm with you right there, man. Like, I think he does have that kind of potential. And you pair him next to Corey Lindsley, and, you know, we'll see what they do at right tackle. But I think you could make a legitimate argument the Chargers have the smartest offensive line in the league with Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley. Uh, Matt Filer and of course Zion Johnson. So I I do think that Zion Johnson has a lead upside. I I, I have him as my fifth overall player in the class. So obviously that's, that's where I'm at with him. But um, you know, there was a lot of people on Twitter talking about like, why do we draft a guard? Like they could have taken a receiver. They could have taken a quarter. It's like, well, again, you just draft the best player available to you. And then things kind of work itself out. Right. And you know, they can figure out right tackle later. They can draft a receiver tomorrow. And, you know, I'm for now, I'm just so excited that Zion Johnson is going to be pairing up with this kind of situation.
3: Yeah, I mean, listening to Brandon Staley, he could sell me any bridge and buy it <laughs> True. for what it's worth. But just hearing him speak, especially about that, you know, he, they loved Zion Johnson's real toughness and they didn't want to reach for a tackle. They're, they're, take, they're talking about penning. And I've never seen Staley really do that, like talk about another player not on his team. But it, it was true. I mean, they were going to have to take a project that could have been an all-pro. And listen, Trevor Penning with the Saints might be an all-pro in a couple of years. And I'll be happy for him. But the Chargers know that, you know, our offensive line coaching staff, we don't really know if they can put together a good line or really develop. You know, the Saints know they can do that. So the Chargers go, listen, Zion Johnson is a great, safe pick. And I just love the things they said about Zion Johnson, that Staley said about Johnson. You know, I like the fact that you, also, you, know, you can also help tackles in this league, but you can't help into your offensive linemen as much. Yeah. So, uh, interesting leading into the Trey Pipkins thing. Um, I like they want to be a rugged football team. You know, they can run it more to the right now as the best player on the board. He was a fantastic pick. And for anyone who's complaining about taking a guard at 17, if Zion Johnson was taken at 17 in 2019 or 2021 or even this past draft, he wouldn't have been the first interior offensive lineman taken. I forget who it was in 2019. You saw Kenyon Green this year. I can't remember who it was last year. It was Elijah Vera Tucker last year, the 13 or 14. I think it was, and I was thinking it was Lindstrom at 14 in 2019. So, you know, this is a, about where you're going to start finding these guards. And again, yeah. there were no receivers on the board. I was told during the draft, like during the first few picks, the Chargers weren't going receiver anyway. They cited Mike Williams contract extension and Josh Palmer. I never thought they were going wide receiver at seventeen to be completely honest unless somebody really really fell, so that's yes you know.
2: and just another thing based on that just i'm just, just gonna throw out some numbers so Zion's contract is is going to be about like a four year sixteen point six mil so about like four point four point like one five mil a year mm-hmm. so the average guard, like the average guard has a contract APY of about five point eight million. So if Zion is average, he's going to be giving the Chargers surplus value on yeah. his contract. If he's if he's in that like second tier of guards, like the Lakin Tomlinsons or um like the who's the second tier guard? Uh like like that second tier yeah, I got you. that that group of guards make about 10.7 million so that's like if he's that tier he's going to be giving a lot of surplus value if, if he's an all pro by year two he's going to be giving the Chargers about like 13 mil worth of surplus value so like regardless of how Zion plays he's probably going to be giving the Chargers surplus value on his deal on top of that the, there's an interesting like thing about should the Chargers have taken Corner? Like Corner is one of the most hit or miss uh, positions in the draft. The Chargers really can't afford to get a hit or miss guy right now. I think that's why they went out and signed JC Jackson because like you're like you know what you're going to get out of him. You've seen th- four years of NFL play out of him. Yeah. If you take a corner in the first round, everyone thought Jeff Okuda was the safest prospect in 2020, and he turned out to be what he is right now. If you can make the argument for McDuffie, I wouldn't have been against the pick if that was it. But you don't know what you're going to get out of him. I think, and I understand the developmental curve for guards is a little bit high or is like, is longer than for other positions. But I think that's just, that's just a product of like the physicality aspect of going from college to the NFL. On top of, uh, we talked about this last night, like some tackles converted to guards, like they're put in that guard category. So like not only do these Converted tackles have to learn a new position. They also have to get acclimated to the NFL. But for a guy like Zion Johnson, who played guard in college, especially in his final year, I put I just put this on Twitter. Like he, his win shares in college ranked in the 99th percentile in his final year. Like you're you're not only just getting a great player, like you're getting one of the best in college in his final year. Consistently got better every single year. Just you know, just a great pick, and again, probably one of the safest prospects they could have gotten at seventeen.
1: That is a a fantastic poll, so I appreciate you uh, sharing that. And we'll dive in now really to kind of the player that he is. And um, to your point, you know, about guards and the value they have, I mean, we're seeing Matt Filer at $7 million APY and the value that he's bringing to the team. And, um, you know, I think Matt Filer is a very safe floor floor kind of player. We know who he is. We know he's going to give you about 22, 25 pressures, be a very efficient pass blocker. Um, obviously he had a career season as a run blocker, in my opinion, this past year, which is, uh, something that Brandon Staley kind of highlighted and why they don't necessarily want to break up that pairing with him and Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley. But to me, Zion Johnson just has that next gear. And so, um, you know, first and foremost, diving into the numbers here, you know, he played guard for two seasons at Boston college. He played uh, left tackle in 2020, but in 2021, he allowed six total pressures, one penalty which i think again kind of speaks to him versus trevor penning Mm -hmm. um in 2019 eight total pressures one penalty again and in 2019 he had a pass blocking efficiency rating of 98.6 and in 2021 99. so you know when we were doing our interior offensive line breakdown i shared this because at true media they weigh it as how many blocks do you lose how many blocks do you win And they charted Zion Johnson as losing 0.3% of his blocks this past season at Boston College. So essentially just a perfect college guard. And I think that's what the Chargers kind of saw in Rashawn Slater, too, at tackles. Very similar profile. So um, there's that as a pass blocker. I think he's just so efficient with his hands and violent with his hands. And, you know, Brandon Staley specifically mentioned his bench press total from uh, the combine, which I think was 32, 33 um in that range you know high 90 percentile uh as with everything else and so i think as a pass blocker he's just so smart he's so strong he's so violent and he's gonna be able to control that line of scrimmage i mean two years ago i keep on talking about this but you know the the trio of Forrest lamp dan feeney and you know whoever they had at right guard would just (laughs) struggle with like the most basic of stunts i mean if you go back and watch that patriots game which i know nobody wants to do but It's not like the Patriots were throwing the kitchen sink at them and doing these crazy blitz packages. It was just like basic loops and basic games. And that trio just could not handle it. And a lot of that is communication, but a lot of that is just, you know, being able to read and react. And now you have Filer, Lindsley, Zion Johnson. And so (laughs) Justin Herbert is going to have a ton of clean pockets. He's going to be able to step up whenever he wants. He's going to be able to, you know, escape out whenever he wants. And I think that's going to create a ton of value just in the passing game alone. Yeah, I I completely agree. I was so
3: impressed. One of the things we grade these interior offensive linemen prospects on is how they move in the second level, of course, but also how they look for work. That's a big part of it. And you'd be surprised how many guys don't. So that's why someone like Zion Johnson stood out because he's consistently looking for work. And I think that cross-training that he did as a guy who has tried to play some center even at the senior bowl, played left tackle, plays left guard, who can play all over. He understands what everybody around him and their responsibilities are. And that they need help, too. There are sometimes he's uncovered. and It's like, okay, I'll go help out my left tackle. And he does that. He's fantastic. On our composite rankings, he was third for us, which is fantastic. He was our first guard. We, I ranked all the interior guys together. But he was the number one guard for the stats rankings, mm-hmm. which is huge. I think some, some people, for some reason, pre-draft process were like, well, the Chargers, you know, stats don't really matter as much. But the Chargers have done a really good job this offseason targeting specific stats. J.C. Jackson forced incompletion rate, Gerald Everett drop rate, yards after the catch per reception, Zion Johnson pass blocking efficiency, Khalil Mack forced fumbles, Sebastian Joseph Day run stop rate, Austin Johnson run stops, or maybe it's vice versa. But they've been so great about finding specific, standout, and very critical, important traits that are, are stats based to go after. And yeah, 99 pass blocking efficiency, whatever, what was the win rate or what was the.
1: He never lost. Uh, it was 0.3 percent of 0.3% his blocks 0.3%. were were losses, according to True Media.
3: Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, <laughs> and then that, and that's just that. And then you talk about you know again a 9.73 RAS score, but watching him, the film for everything to match up, he's one of honestly feels like almost the only interior offensive lineman in this class who consistently brought his lower legs as well and was able to uproot defenders. Yes. And I know your interview with Matt Whitman, Marcus, Marcus Whitman. Whitman you know, talked about that he's a little bit shorter, sure, but he's able to use his leverage and be a bit smaller but very strong to uproot defenders. And I didn't think a lot of interior guys had that, You know, not just blocking guys up top. I like Marquise Hayes from Oklahoma. He's my interior offensive lineman four. He's more of a top-heavy sort of guy, and a lot of these guys are. Zion Johnson blocks with his entire body, and that's huge. That's something that Duke Manyweather absolutely preaches. So body control for sure. There were plays in the game where I swear I saw him running – arc as like a pass protector i don't know how that works out but i'd watch him in space have to go from one side completely to the other in pass protection and work off perfectly he just is able to operate in a space that's like Rashawn slater looked a lot like Rashawn slater they also have the same grade for me from what it's worth Uh, but then he's also a relentless blocker in space he's obviously a great athlete he can play all over to me the film was just fantastic for him i loved it
1: yeah you know ben fennell pointed out on uh twitter a while ago uh University of Davidson actually is a triple option team, okay. and so when you when it comes to run blocking in a triple option team, because that's what I coached in, in middle school uh, for the past few years, you're looking for guards specifically who might be a little bit more similar to stereotypical center body types, so they're a little shorter, stouter, so that they can get their hands on you quicker, and then like you were saying, bring your legs and your hips with you, and then just explode off of the line. And I think that understanding of leverage for zion in that triple option kind of offense which is just you know very unorthodox is really going to help him at the next level and you know creating rushing lanes for austin eckler and hopefully running back that they draft tomorrow um you know and i think as a run blocker he really just understands angles so incredibly well oh and then on top of it he is also an elite athlete so you know i'm watching him against clemson mm-hmm. and you know he, there's this one block, I can't remember you know, when exactly he was, but obviously he's left guard and he has to get all the way across to a one technique on the opposite side of the center. And he does it. And he, and he and not only does he get there and does he reach this guy, he's able to turn his hips and turn his back to the running back. And the running back goes right past him for a gain of like six or seven yards. So just one of the most technically advanced players in this class regardless of position along the offensive line. And then he's also one of the most athletic as well. So you know he's gonna pay immediate dividends for this team in the rushing game, in the passing game, and like I I, I still can't believe this man. Like, I, I'm so <laughs> excited that this guy is gonna be on this team protecting Justin Herbert, creating rushing lanes, and I don't want to jump the gun too much, but like legitimately could be one of the best interior three players in the league with Lindsley and Matt Filer. So, um, I I'm so stoked about this man. I can't wait to see. How all of it unfolds and how you know he's able to get with Corey Lindsley and just pick his brain and and be able to grow with Rashawn Slater for the next 10, 12 years, I couldn't be happier with this pick.
2: Yeah, and I'm gonna. I know you talked about the RES score. I actually wanted to bring up some like combine stats. So like at PFF, we looked at like what combine stats matter the most for interior offensive linemen. So for interior offensive linemen, the two stats that matter the most that have the most effect on like how they perform in the NFL is their short shuttle or are their short shuttle and three-cone drill and then followed by their broad jump and bench press. Zion in the short shuttle ranked in the 95th percentile among all guards. Among three In the three-cone, he ranked in the 94th percentile. In the broad jump, he ranked in the 93rd percentile. <laughs> and in the bench press, he ranked in the 90th percentile. So you're talking about Combine stats that translate to the NFL. The dude ranks in the 90th percentile in everything. I mean, like, I, I don't know what else he could ask for in a, product, in, in a prospect. And, like, the last thing I'm going to bring up about, like, the trading back, like, look, I, every mock draft I put out on Twitter had the charge of trading back. Exactly. I understand it takes two to tango. And, like, for a, for, a, look, for a GM like Tom Telesco, who has never traded back in, in 10 years of, as being GM, he's never traded back. Like, wh- Like, why would teams call him? right like it's probably him yeah, that has to initiate true. the Steelers like they probably thought that the Saints were, weren't going to go with uh, a quarterback which makes sense because the Saints if the Saints really wanted a quarterback they traded up to 11 to get a receiver like that probably makes the Steelers think that okay the Saints are going all in with Winston we're just they're just going to surround him with weapons they're not going to go quarterback so yeah. there's no need to trade up right so again as much as we were hoping that the Chargers trade up, traded up. Like we were even talking about it while the Chargers were on the clock. Like hopefully they trade back. Hopefully they trade back. It takes two to tango. And even if the Chargers didn't trade back, they still got a great player at you know a position of need.
1: Yeah, you know the trading back thing. I, a lot of people were talking about the Packers trying to trade up, the Cowboys trying to trade up. But those were conversations for receivers. Mm-hmm. And by the time the Chargers were on the board, there were no receivers. I mean, the Washington Commanders take Jahan Dotson at sixteen which is just kind of ridiculous to me. I like Dotson a lot, but you know uh, at least they traded back to get him, I guess, but you know, there were no trade partners and that's what Tom Telesco said after it was really quiet. And you know, could you have maybe convinced the the chiefs to come up, I guess probably, but why would you help the chiefs? Yeah. So, you know, there were just no trade partners. So I think it's, it was just a really sound process overall. And you know, Colin Cowherd tweeted out like the chargers are going to draft a player who's just going to be a really good player and fall to them. And it's going <laughs> to, be an annual tradition because that's what Tom Telesco does and you know we would had this conversation with Arjun as well so um you know putting a bow on the, the Zion stuff you know I think Arjun brings up a great point with just the kind of athlete the kind of value that he's going to bring uh, and I'm really excited to see it so
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed
1: The Chargers do have a hole at right tackle. Um, I think if they had drafted Trevor Penning, they would still have a hole at right tackle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Tom Telesco in his press conference yesterday says that if they if they had a game tomorrow, they would be okay with Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins starting there. Brandon Staley said that they are still going to look at the rest of the draft. They are potentially going to look to add to the offensive line after the draft. So, Arjun, will start with you on this one. How much do you buy them being comfortable with Trey Pipkins or Storm Norton, and really, how do you think they are going to attack the right tackle position from here on out?
2: Yeah, no, I I don't really buy anything <laughs> Tom Felesco says. Not not because like he's a bad GM or anything. I just like his history has shown that like he'll say one thing and usually go another way. Yeah. Uh, and the Chargers organization typically are pretty like closed off before Staley got there, and like Staley's one of the only people we really like have truthful answers about. Um, so I'm not really like buying the whole Trey Pipkins like they they believe in him and Storm Norton. All it takes is for you to turn on the tape against Max Crosby to not believe in Storm Norton anymore. Yeah, in like the most important game of the season, he does that. Um, in terms like where they, I think they could go. Like yeah, they should they should probably draft a developmental tackle in like round six or round seven or maybe even earlier. I'm not really sure. But like there's the tackle market is kind of saturated now. You're not really gonna get. A long-term solution you're probably looking at like a dennis kelly who you know it's it's fine like all we need is like a non-liability and it's probably for the best that you get a veteran guy next to zion johnson similar to how like slater is playing next to filer you get zion next to kelly who's been around multiple teams who um he was with the packers i believe this past year right and packers had a bunch of young guys starting along their line so like he could help in that mentor mentorship aspect of things but yeah, I I think they still need to address the tackle position. Um I mean, I was critical of them this past season of going into this into the year with Storm Norden as their backup instead of having some competition for him. So, if they go into the if they go into the OTAs with him as a starter, I mean, I don't I don't really know like what to think of that.
3: <sighs> <laughs> it's a tough combination between what I want to happen and what I what I think will happen. So, on the one hand, you know, we did hear from someone in the organization that they are actually high on Trey Pipkins. But we've heard that before. And again, they drafted Rashawn Slater. And then Pipkins never touched the field for them yeah. last season. So, you know, who knows? But again, counter that Duke Manyweather says, hey, Trey Pipkins is working with me. And he's one of the most improved players I've seen. Now, does he go from bottom shelf to like the next shelf? Or are we talking average starter? Where are we at here?
1: Anything's an improvement, man. Yeah, (laughs) right.
3: Exactly. And so I I think they are going to either address it with someone later. They've met with Vardarian Low and Gene Delance, two guys that I believe were at the Senior Bowl. Low definitely was. I think Delance was as well. Uh, Delance was Shrine. Shrine (laughs) Shrine Bowl. My bad. So they've shown a significant interest in Gene Delance, and I think they could go that route. But you know, look at after the draft as well. And Staley said as much. And Telesco has done as much in his in his tenure. Brandon Flowers, I think, was June. Matt Slauson was after the draft. Dontrell Inman on that second run with the Chargers was after the draft in, like, August. Christian Covington, we were like, oh, my gosh, they need a defensive tackle. And after the draft, oh, here's Christian Covington. He signed with the team. It's like, okay, great, we have defensive tackle depth. That's very different than finding a starter to play right tackle, Christian Covington. There's many of those. There's not a whole lot of starting right tackles, but we'll see. I, I think they are going to invest in a later pick and a tackle to develop because they are going to need one after either Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins leave, or, or both, or both, or yeah. both. Which you know,
2: hey, uh, <laughs> I think they, I think they're both free agents next year. Yeah, I just mean like, uh, do they
3: bring them back? Oh yeah, so yeah, I yeah I got you. I think they're not going to. So I think they're going to find a developmental guy for that. And then I just think after the draft, Telesco has also been very lucky with post draft cuts. You know, when did Brendan Flowers become available? It's because the Chiefs cut him. Lawson becomes available because the Bears, I believe, cut him. So I think Telesco could get lucky with someone being cut at some point being a decent right tackle. But then with all that said, why didn't you just get a tackle in free agency before the drafts? You weren't in this position. So I'd really, it's such a toss up for me because I could believe them either way. I believe they want a better right tackle. I'm sure they know they need a better right tackle on the other hand. I watched Tom Telesco, you know, send Philip Rivers out at age 52 behind Trent Scott, Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp, Trey Turner, and uh, you know Sam Tevi. Yeah. So <laughs> it could go either way for me. I hope they make
1: the right decision here, though.
3: Now I will say the one thing I'm mean,
1: I am confident in, as it pertains to the right tackle is that Storm Norton will not be the starter. I believe And I, I think if they viewed Storm Norton as a starter, they would have given him a multi-year deal and not just giving him the tender tag, which pays him, I think, like $900,000. So um, Storm Norton, they don't view Storm Norton as a starter, or they would have paid him as such. So that leaves you with Trey Pipkins or something else you know, later on. And so um, could Trey Pipkins become that guy? Like, of course, we've always seen the athletic upside. I think he's kind of in the 85th percentile on RAS, very similar athletic profile to Sam Tevy. Like, you understand there's a lot of boxes that the Chargers look for in terms of developmental offensive linemen and and Trey Pipkins hits those marks. So, um, the one thing I will say here, and I, I've always felt this because all we can do right is kind of connect the dots and follow the breadcrumbs that Tom Telesco, Brandon Staley, and and the other sources that we are able to kind of verify. I'll just connect all the dots. Brandon Staley specifically wanted to keep Matt Filer at left guard all season long last year because he wanted to ensure that Rashawn Slater had that veteran presence next to him at all times. I think you could have definitely made an argument that inserting Brennan Hymas at left guard, putting Matt Filer at right tackle was a much better solution than keeping Fyler at left guard, putting Schofield at right guard, and then, you know, doing whatever you want to do at right tackle with Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins. So I think that's going to be a very similar approach to how they handle zion's development and so i I think they are going to add a a veteran at least to challenge for the starting right tackle spot whether that's dennis kelly darrell williams is still a free agent he's only 30 and he's played a lot of snaps for the buffalo bills i think that would be a really good fit um dwayne brown obviously is much older riley reef is much older potentially retiring from what we heard online um another option potentially brandon shell from the seahawks started a lot of games for the Seahawks, Did a lot of outside zone rushing work for the Seahawks this past season as they brought in Shane Waldron from the Rams. So I think you could potentially be looking at one of those kind of veterans because I really feel that Brandon Staley wants to help his young players hit the ground running. I mean, you look at what he did with Asante Samuel Jr. too. They didn't want to overload him with switching back and forth from the slot from the outside. And so – I think if you have Trey Pipkins at right tackle, you're just creating unnecessary pressure for Zion. And so that's that's my thing. I think they will add a veteran. I think maybe they were probably just kind of waiting to see how that market sorted itself out after the draft. But I, I, I feel pretty confident that it's not going to be Storm Norton. You know, after that, we'll see.
3: My, my, I guess my counter to that, just to be
1: devil's advocate here, well, Corey
3: Lindsley's our veteran, so that's next to Zion Johnson sure. and then Trey Pipkins. He's been with us for four years. He's a veteran. He knows our system. Why don't I just put him next to, to you know, Zion Johnson instead so of bringing a veteran who's never played for us before?
1: Yeah, that <laughs> 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 you just you just had to do it, man. You had to do it.
2: Um, any thoughts on that point, Arjun? I mean, yeah, and uh, I I agree with what you said. I don't like if they're starting Trey Pipkins. I mean. Duke Manyweather better get, like, a royalty <laughs> if, if the Chargers make the Super Bowl he's or good. something. Yeah, if he's Hire good. him as
1: an honorary consultant officially. Get him on the books.
2: Yeah. No, no honestly, though. But, like, yeah, I, I think at some point, the Chargers are probably going to have to see if, like, Trey Pipkins is, like, worth bringing back in 2023. Right. Like, the the tackles you brought up in the free agency market, I mean, like, they're all going to be one-year deals, right? So, event like, you're still going to have a long-term need there. And, like, the problem with that is like, the Chargers don't really have the money to go get a long-term solution next year in free agency. Right. So then are you stuck taking another offense alignment in the draft? Right? And that's where, like, I could understand the Pipkins solution where, like, maybe he's average and then you can bring him back on, like, a like a really cheap two-year deal after that. we Like, we just really don't know what Pipkin's is anymore just because, like, we haven't seen him play consistently for two, like, at all in three years because he's never started consistently. So… He's not a Brandon Staley pick. He doesn't really seem like he would be a Brandon Brandon Staley pick. So like we don't, I don't really know what Brandon Staley thinks of him. But the way Staley talked about tackle in the press conferences and made it seem like they weren't like too confident about Storm or Trey Pipkin starting next year.
1: Yeah. So to your point, like you know, if we just kind of play the Trey Pipkin starting scenario out, and let's say he does have a good season, and they think that he could become more than that. You know, Joseph Noboom from the Rams, who obviously Brandon Staley is familiar with, signed a, I forget how long it was, but his current APY is 13.3. It was $1. like three years. So
2: three three th- years. 340, I think.
1: So that that could be a solution. And I think there is merit to that in finding out, you know, if Trey Pipkins can give you that value. And I know there is, it's still possible that he is a valuable swing tackle and he does get a re-sign. And I think that is kind of another scenario. And... and maybe that's kind of where their head is at too. But I think we will see them add a tackle tomorrow or somebody at least with the ability to play tackle or not tomorrow. I should say on Saturday is kind of how we're expecting that. Um, they've just done so much homework on that day three group, whether it's Gene DeLance or Braxton Jones at the senior bowl from Southern Utah or Ryan Van Demark from Connecticut or Jatiree. I think that's how you say Jatiri Carter from the Southern University so I do think that we will see them add a tackle to the group uh, on Saturday. And, you know, I guess we'll kind of see about the veteran. But, you know, Arjun's point about finding out if Trey Pickens has that long-term value or not is is definitely a good one. And, you know, like Tyler said, he is going into year four.
3: Well, you know, sometimes,
1: I guess I was going to make a joke of it, forget it. <laughs> the
3: point is, Tom Telesco does not re-sign his guys in the draft. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure they want to see if Pepkins could be a long-term option, dot, 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 for another team. I, I, if if Keenan Allen and Trey Pipkins are the only round three picks or later that he's re-signed, I will be stunned. I, 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 I can't imagine looking at Kenia, uh, Keenan Allen and Trey Pipkins as the two guys. they yeah. It's certainly not. Is that, is
2: that really person. it? Like, since he's been hired? Uh, Denzel Perriman
1: got an, a, like a one-year extension. Like one, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Wow. And we
3: just saw Kaiser White break out three and a half million dollars, not get re-signed. So so say, spray yeah. Pipkins in um, one potentially eh year for thirteen million dollars. I don't buy it. So I'm sure they would love to, you know, throw the tire, kick the tires on Pipkins, leave him out there for a year, play good <laughs> tackle. But I don't think they're bringing him back.
1: Yeah, you know, the the to be fair, the thirteen point three was just the number that I threw because of Joe NoBoom, and so. um, Jonah Boom was legitimately good for the Rams in the absence of um, Andrew Whitworth over the past few years. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. All right, we'll wrap up our conversation today just about kind of the players that we would like to see them target uh, later today and tomorrow in the drafts. Of course, they have the six picks in the sixth and seventh round. So uh, potentially a lot of dart throws. Arjun, who's kind of someone that you would really like to see them land today in the third round? or, Or I know there's a lot of talk about Potentially trading back into the third round and getting a second one. Uh, what kind of process would you like to see them follow today?
2: Um, well, I don't know. It, it's 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 a weird way like how the draft has played out. Um, I, I mean, I personally think they have like enough picks. To, like, obviously, I'd advocate for trading down instead of trading up. But like, they have enough picks where like they don't really need to trade down as much because like they have a ton of comp picks. So at this point, you just kind of like let the draft play out, and and you go get depth, and like this is they should be getting corner depth, edge depth, or interior D line depth in round three. I think. Um, I know receiver is gonna be like the hot one. Like, oh, just go get someone who's fast or who's shifty or who's really (laughs) agile. But like, like I'm I'm fine with the receiver depth they have. The five that they have is fine, and they don't really need to go invest like. Kind of a premium like pick in the receiver group. Right. I think you're one, you're one injury away from Chris Rumpf starting. You're one injury away from Tavon Campbell starting. You're one injury away from Christian Covington starting. Right. So like, or Jerry Tillery, like whoever's going to start between Tillery and Covington. So I think you need to go get an edge. Go get an interior D lineman. Hope I would go between corner and edge just because those are more premium positions. Yeah. Um. But like, I'm not. I, I wasn't really as in tune with. They like the round three edge guys as much as you guys were so I'm gonna pass it over to you guys to give us some names
1: yeah you know just the way the draft paid played out yesterday I mean obviously the run on receivers early the run on into your offensive linemen you know kind of in the back half really left a lot of good options in terms of edge rushers in terms of cornerbacks and I think that's an area where the Chargers could certainly get a legitimate player I mean like, there was a ton of buzz around Arnold Adekete going in the first round, a ton of buzz around Boye Maffe going in the first round. Both of those players are on the board. Um, I can't imagine the Chargers would be taking David Ojabo, and I don't think he'll be there at 79. I wish. I wish, right? Oh but that'd God. be a great long-term solution. But um, that's an area where I feel like they can still get a player. You know, Drake Jackson on the board, he had some late round one buzz mm-hmm. like we talked about yesterday. Um, Nick Bonito, who Tyler is really high on. MyJ Sanders, who I really like. D'Angelo Malone, who I like as well. So. Edge market is where I would tend to lean just because once you get past a certain point, you're not going to get a player that is ready to contribute right away. And so there are some other edge rushers that I think are interesting if they had signed like Kyler Fackrell back, if they had kind of that third edge rusher. But, you know, if you get down into the Tyreek Smith range or Jeffrey Gunter from coastal Carolina, or Amari Barno. I'm just not comfortable with them coming in and filling a role right away. And so if you get Nick Bonito or D'Angelo Malone, I'm pretty confident that they could come in, give you maybe 15, 20 pressures on the season, be that reliable third edge rusher, and give them some versatility because those two players are more twitchy, bendy kind of players, which would allow them to put Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa on the inside a little bit. And I do think that Chris Rump is a good run defender. So I think I would be prioritizing one of those two players um, or my J. Sanders again, kind of one of the more underrated pass rushers in this class. I would be very happy with one of those three players if they were the pick at 79 later today. Yeah, in our dueling mock drafts episode, you took D'Angelo Malone as your
3: edge rusher, I believe in the third round, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But you just kind of had to because all these edge (laughs) rushers were projected to go early based on the consensus board. You know, it wasn't your favorite pick. I think he's like your last edge that you would take is, in yeah. round three. And even then, it doesn't feel great. But the drop-off again from there to the next guy's in round four, round five is, is significant. And where, where you get to a point where you're not going to drop a round four guy to start at edge three over Chris Rumpf unless he blows up training camp. I just doubt that for them. So if they do want a true edge three, and again, I would love for it to be Chris Rumpf. I just don't think it'll be Chris Rumpf. But if they want a true edge three, I really think that 79th pick has to go to edge and i think it should again corner you know it's wishy-washy devon campbell starts i don't like it <laughs> but edge three like it's not just that bosa gets hurt or they rotate out or mac gets hurt and they need like an edge three and edge four just because they you know they just want to rotate guys out no they they put those guys on the field like a quarter of the game or at least a, a third of the defensive snaps yeah bosa kicks inside i don't know what Kilo Mac's gonna do that edge three is going to play a lot of snaps. I don't know how much corner four is going to play. Corner four playing is more based on the injuries, I think, right. Whereas edge three is, is a priority. They're going to play that edge three. So I, the way the board's falling right now, you know, I kind of thought Ojabo could go in the first round with that first year option. I definitely thought Kitty was going to go in the first round. Now those guys are getting pushed back. So you know, it, Malone is your cutoff, but if that jumps from maybe Malone to. My Jay Sanders, which is my cutoff, or heck, Nick Benito, you know, that's great. I think the Chargers getting an edge three at this point would be fantastic. They need to address that. Other than right tackle, I fully believe that edge three is the biggest need on their roster right now. And again, they could believe in Chris Rumph, and that's cool for them, but to <laughs> me, that's a bad process. You can't look, if this is a team that values stats, you can't look at a guy who I think was worst or second worst in pass rush, win rate, or productivity among all edge rusher rookies last season and go, that's my edge three. And I get it, yeah. it's only an edge three. Edge three doesn't seem like a premium pick, but it's really important in this defense, especially if you wanna maximize Joey Bosa.
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to those day three picks, and I've had the same conversation with uh, about Brendan Hymas with fans, it's like you take these players in the fifth round and the fourth round, more than likely you're banking on them being three-year players. So you get a little playing time on defense or offense, the first year mostly special teams second year you get a little bit more playing time again mostly special teams and then ideally year three you are a player that is going to pop and you're going to you know carve out a role on your team and so we we see pass rushers take a while to develop and we were talking about Rashawn Gary yesterday like it took him three years to hit and now he hit and they and they have hit big the Packers that is and so I I think the edge rusher class is definitely something to keep an eye on Uh, I'm curious to see really kind of how the offensive line run in the back half of the first round influences specifically the second round Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that pushes corners backs down again. Maybe that pushes down the edge rushers again Because there's Andrew booth is still on the board again. There's health concerns there Kyler Gordon is still on the board. We I heard that he was potentially in play for the Chargers at 17 so he's still on the board and then you get to guys who I think are more in their range of, of being available at pick seventy nine, Alante Taylor, Martin Emerson, Tariq Castro Fields, Kobe Bryant, Marcus Jones, Damari Mathis, Mario Goodrich, Roger McCreary still on the board. He was getting late first round hype for a while. So I feel pretty confident that the Chargers could get a good C B four project in the fourth round, based off of how this board is. I mean, again, we'll see if there's a, a crazy run on corners in the second or third round, but Right now, I would be prioritizing edge, and then hey man, listen like if Abraham Lucas is there at seventy nine, <laughs> I think that's kind of best case scenario right now. But again, I Maybe. just don't think that's going to happen. So I think my preference at this point would be edge today, corner early tomorrow, and then you can figure out running back, get a developmental development, developmental right tackle, safety, linebacker later on after that.
3: Yeah, I completely agree, and even I know I know people really want that wide receiver, but I just think yeah. The wide I think, again, I, I said this when Carter was signed. And they were like, well, why would that take them out of wide receiver at 17? It did. Um, <laughs> I really think the Chargers think that they've upgraded enough, and I think they have. Like, Telesco said they didn't want to take a step backward on offense. They did not take a step backwards on offense. They are projected based on the Zion Johnson signing, or the drafting, obviously, maybe a right tackle upgrade. Gerald Everett, Josh Palmer gets better. Mike Williams another year in the system. Everybody another year in the system. Yeah. They got better. So I know everyone wants that wide receiver. I, and, and listen, if they take wide receiver at 79, I would get it. That, to me, is smart. You played the board really well, especially with what happened yesterday. But I think just in general, Chargers knew if they go wide receiver at 79 that they could have gotten someone later. Like, they knew that they, they could have waited Kalishakir, Alec Pierce, whatever. So that, who, if, if that ends up being someone at 79, great. But then again, like I said, early <laughs> in the draft, someone said, they're not taking a receiver at 17. Yeah. They, they, they specifically cited Josh Palmer and Mike Williams, of course, but Josh Palmer. So I do think he is going to have a significant role, along with Jalen Guyton. I think they're cool with that. And then running back. I don't think you know they do that in the third round. I don't want them to really do that in the fourth round.
1: No, they don't need to. They're, they're, they don't. All yeah. of the running backs are on the board. None of them went. Yeah,
3: exa- exactly. No, absolutely. Brees Hall could have gone first round. I believe he was there, too, at the draft, and he didn't go. And that's, that's totally fine. Running back class isn't fantastic but i think it's deep enough and the chargers have invested it, honestly it's a big win for joshua kelly for larry roundtree for whoever they draft fifth sixth round because they have a, a, at worst a legit starting four offensive line and to me yeah, that is far more true. important than any early running back because you know the o-line makes the running back i don't care how good the running back is naji harris what was his yards per carry what was his whatever i mean the pittsburgh line was terrible But he's a great player but he can only get them so far so i think you know they've invested in in the line i know people want wide receiver or even running back everyone wants jerome ford everyone wants you know calvin austin i get it you shouldn't want jerome ford alex Uh, (laughs) he's not watching but he's catching strays right now (laughs) i just think they can wait so i completely agree with you edge three at 79 would be perfect if the right guy isn't there i get it and honestly it's wishful thinking right now for the right guy to be there but if he's there at 79, take him and then go corner. But if it's not, if the edge rusher isn't there, I really think I'm like pushing chips in on Elante Taylor being the pick at 79 if the right edge player isn't there.
1: Yeah, Elante Taylor just checks so many boxes. And you know this coaching staff is placing such a high priority on connections to the coaching staff. And Elante Taylor has a bunch of them. So I think that would be a fantastic pick. Um, he is, let me make sure I have this right. Lante Taylor is my cornerback seven, so he's right next to uh, Kyler Gordon. So he's my highest third-round grade corner, and I think that would be a a fantastic pick. So um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Again, could not be happier about the Zion Johnson selection. Really excited to see how the rest of this pans out. I think the Chargers have a lot of good options based off of how the board plays later today, and then tomorrow they have all of those sixth and seventh-round compensatory picks. So going to be fun. If you're still in Vegas, uh, hit us up, man. We will uh, be potentially going to the Chargers party uh, later tonight. So if you see us, come say what's up. So uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks again to the Blue Wire studio for hosting us today. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to kind of wrap up our draft coverage and
2: we'll see you guys then. All right. We'll talk to you later.